You are listening to the weekly Great Governance podcast hosted by Dr. Harlan. So why do we do what we do? We are on a mission to find and voice the hidden stories of excellence in local government so that others are motivated to lead and transform communities. We share information and profile local government practitioners and active citizens who are ethically leading change and innovation in communities and showcase this on our various digital media platforms. Okay, so today we have with us uh, a person that I've met probably about 20, 30 years ago. Uh, his name is uh, Alan Nelson. He is an attorney. He was an attorney. He's an attorney. He is an advocate and he was also senior counsel. So I should actually introduce him as SC Alan Nelson. <laughs> Alan, welcome onto our platform. Thank you, Harlan. Thank you very much. Just call me Alan. Please. I prefer that. <laughs> Just call me Al. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Alan uh, contacted me some time back after listening to the podcast that I did with Reverend uh, Dr. Alan Busak. And he said uh, he would like to come onto the platform and share what he is doing. So, firstly, Alan, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself and your journey. We only have 20 minutes, so I'm going <laughs> to ask you to introduce yourself. Keep it short. And then we're going to get into this discussion why we are actually here today. Okay, Holland. So, yeah, thank you for the introduction. I, I've spent a lifetime in conflict. So, as you pointed out in the early days as an advocate uh, for many years, I did litigation. I was a hard litigator. I thought uh, I was bringing about just outcomes. That's, of course, the adversarial way of dealing with conflict. And then quite by coincidence, it's an interesting story, but we'll need more than 20 minutes to talk about that. I discovered that there's another way of dealing with conflict, and that happened about 10 years ago. And that's through what we call facilitative mediation, a particular form of mediation. And when I realized that, I it actually blew my mind. And I thought to myself, um, you know, what have I been doing with my life? I thought fighting cases and fighting hard and winning them was helping to bring about just outcomes. And I realized there's just a far better way of doing it. Um, I actually did a mediation course. I didn't believe in it when I started the course. Mm. And then after four days of training, I just got the realization, but hang on. Uh, looked up and said, God, what have I been doing with my life? You know, I thought I was bringing about just outcomes by fighting in court, but he has a much better way. And since then, for the last 10 years, I, I no longer do any adversarial uh, forms of conflict, of dealing with conflict, because, you know, the adversarial way doesn't actually resolve it. Mm. It actually heightens it often. But But for the last 10 years, I've been doing mediation, which is consensual conflict resolution and not adversarial or adjudicative. You know, but isn't isn't conflict and fighting in our DNA? You know, if you look at our country where we are in 2023, we've been fighting with one another since the beginning. It's quite normal. You know, conflict is not an abnormal thing. Conflict's not a thing that we should be ashamed of admitting that we're in conflict with somebody. It's everywhere. It's in families. It's in businesses. It's in societies. It's everywhere. It is how we deal with conflict that matters. And I've just had been in this blessed position where for a substantial part of my life, I dealt with conflict adversarially and adjudicatively. And now I've been dealing with it consensually. And so I can make a real comparison between these two ways of dealing with conflict. And there is just no doubt, Harlan, that to deal with conflict consensually is the answer. The difficult part is to get people to a place where they prepare to talk to one another and prepare to consensually address issues. That's mm. that's the real secret and the real challenge. But it can be done. Yeah. So you said your Damascus experience was on day four in that course. Correct, yeah. 
So how would you describe the difference in between this new light that you've seen and litigation? I mean, lawyers, people often say, you know, lawyers just make a lot of money. Yeah. Why would, what, what is the difference then? So when you, when you litigate, mm. you, you look back, you look at what happened, and then you apply the law to the facts of what happened in the past. And then doing that, you go through this process of deciding who's right and who's wrong. And believe you me, that is not an easy process to go through. You can very easily be wrong. And that's why we have so many courts, so many cases that go on appeal and the appeal court decides differently to the lower court and then goes to the constitutional court. They have another insight. And so it is, people think it's a certain way of dealing with conflict. The truth is it's not. Hmm. It takes a hell of a long time and it's very expensive because it looks back and it tries to work out who's right and who's wrong. Mediation is very different. Mediation looks ahead. It doesn't try to decide who's right and who's wrong. So the mediator plays this independent role, he's impartial. And what he really tries to do is he, he tries firstly to calm people down because that's what makes us want to fight with one another. So his first responsibility is to just make people calm down, just settle down. Because when people are in conflict and they're angry, we use this phrase, their brains are on fire. And when your brain's on fire, very often you'll act contrary to your own interest. You'll burn down buildings or you'll go off to court and fight for 10 years or whatever the case. So, so we say we just, our role as mediators is not to decide who's right and who's wrong. We help people to focus their attention on the future. We help them to focus their attention on what's really important to them. What, how do they see the future? How do they want everything to pan out? And then we change them from being positional, I demand, I want, I insist, to being collaborative. Mm. How can we work together to find a solution here that's going to be good for everybody? And it's absolutely amazing how when you get people to collaborate, they can come up with these amazing solutions. You know, a judge often can just give money or sometimes an interdict. That's all he can do. When you're in this collaborative space and you're looking ahead at what's really important, you help people to focus on that. The people themselves come up with the solutions. You mm. simply guide the conversation. So, so mediation, the primary role of the mediator is to create this environment, an enabling environment, so that the parties can themselves looking ahead at what's really important to them. What's, what's in their interest? What is it that's really concerning them? That they can start to couch solutions based on that. And the solutions are amazing. Now, if you look at municipalities, you know, municipalities are in conflict with communities all the time where the councillor wants this or the ward committee member does this. And, and there's conflict all the time. Next yeah. thing, somebody once told me you know, in, in a training session, I asked, he says, you know, the only time to listen if when they see the smoke. I asked, what do you mean? Yeah. He says, when the tires burn, then we have the councillor's attention. Yeah. How would this practically work, for example, at the municipal sphere? So what's, what's a very well-known fact amongst mediators and peace writers is that when I can't envisage any other solution to a problem, I burn. I resort to violence. And that's what's happening in our local authorities at the moment. Taxi violence, these sort of things. It's all because people can't see another solution. And mediation is there to help people see that actually there's a different way. So I have no doubt whatsoever, and that's why I'm here actually, because I heard you and Dr. Busak talking about the problems in local government. I mean, yes, there are problems of corruption. There's a lot of problems around that. But to my mind, the main problem is that local authorities haven't worked out yet how to resolve conflict properly. And because they're doing that, people get into this desperate state where they don't know what else to do. I mean, an illustration I can give you is I, I was involved in a case involving the building of a dam. Um, and there was dispute between the, the, the building company and the workers. And 
you know, if that could just have been resolved consensually, the dam would have been built five years earlier. People would have had water. They would have been able to attend to agriculture. They would have been able to develop communities. All simply problem because people didn't know how to deal with conflict. You shared with me earlier uh, the examples in China. Uh, yes. Do you want to maybe just share that? Yeah. Yeah. Something that I've come to realize, I've been to China, I've been to some other countries where mediation is very prominent. And what I've noticed, India, for example, these countries where, where people have understand conflict and understand how to deal with it efficiently, because that's what mediation is. It's super efficient. It costs next to nothing. And it's quick. You got a problem today, tomorrow you can have a solution. You don't wait five to 10 years in a court for a court to decide who's right and who's wrong. And so in these countries, China, India, Singapore, look at them. They are flourishing financially. They are countries where the communities, despite China's past, we know about how terrible things were under the communist regime there. But, but despite that, they've learned how to deal with conflict and they are efficient and quick in dealing with conflict. I, just to give you an illustration, I sat in a bus in China and there was a motor accident and somebody walked up. He had a yellow jacket on. And I said, what's going on there? Somebody in the bus said to me, no, that's the mediator. They mediated the solution to that motor accident right there and right then. There weren't massive queues of doctors and lawyers and who knows whatever and housewives uh, standing there waiting for a towaway truck. They solved the problem right there and the bus went on and the, the other vehicle went on. And they tell me that's how it works on the, on the, on the floor too. There's a mediator in most of those large factories. If a problem arises, the mediator steps in. He says, what's going on? And they sort it out. They don't burn down. Yeah. They don't have strikes that last for months and months and months. The problems are solved right there, right then. Judges in China mediate. There's one judge there when I was there a couple of years ago who mediated 3,600 cases. A judge in his lifetime will do a couple of hundred cases. This woman had done 3,600. There wasn't a single appeal or unhappy customer at the end of the day, just because she's dealing with conflict consensually. We don't have that in this country, and, and it's a problem. And I think if we could rethink things, change our mindsets in and around how we deal with conflict, this country will fly. Because you see, our default setting is, I'm going to get you, yep. uh, you know, uh, I'm going to hit you. Uh, it's it's all about egos. Are you saying that that it's a it's a learned behavior? Is that are you saying that we should be training or capacitating officials to be able to meet to handle conflict better, or should municipalities uh, the way you envisage this? Do you do you see that there are mediators employed by government? How how will this work? Okay, so so when people are in a conflict situation, you mentioned it, they just want to fight. They want to have a go at one another because their brains are on fire. We need a mechanism whereby we can just give a little shove. Mm. And that shove should actually come from the judiciary. In the case of local authority, it can come from within the local authority as well. So if we have people in local authority that understand mediation, they won't obviously be able to mediate cases in which they're involved because the mediator's got to be impartial and independent. But what they will be able to do is they'll be able to give a nudge and say, guys, let's, let's, go, and, let's go and mediate this. Let's go and talk about it. Let's sit around a table. Let's get a qualified person who's independent and impartial and who really wants to help us solve the problem. Let's get that person to oversee uh, our conflict scenario and help us through it. And, it, you know, it's such, it's such a simple procedure. Mm. In the hands of somebody who knows what he's doing, the success rate is massively high. So, so it works, you know, and that's, I think, what brought about my Damascus moment is just realizing, geez, there's this other way of dealing with conflict that I didn't realize existed. Mm. 
because I was trained at university in the, in, in the adversarial way of dealing with conflict. Nobody ever mentioned mediation to me. And so our lawyers, our whole system is, is kind of disjointed. We are thinking that we are resolving conflict going to court and that that's the only way. And that's what we resort to. And then, so, and then legal, uh, legal cost is extremely high, you know. Very. And so the poor, uh, and, and I've always said that, you know, that these courts and the law works for those with money. Yeah. So you are saying that this is a, a, is a way to access and to ensure that there's justice. Absolutely. It's, it, it is such a, an effective way. That's the thing that really struck me. You know, after all my years as a lawyer engaged in adversarial, to see how simple this procedure is. And to see how effective it is and how much better it is compared to the legal, the, the legal route, mm. the adversarial route of dealing with conflict. And, you know, I spent the last 10 years doing that. And it's been amazingly rewarding for me because it's also super to be able to help people through conflict. Yeah. See them come into a mediation in this anxious, uh, uptight state, brains on fire. And then just by doing something that are very simple changing that and getting them to collaborate and find solutions. So how would, how would this now practically work? In other words, I'm upset with you. I'm at work. We're working. I'm upset with you. Do I approach a mediator and that mediator approaches you or how does this practical work? Okay. Then? So that's the biggest problem. That is the biggest problem because if you're upset with me, you're not going to go to the mediation route. You're going to want to fight. Yeah. That's your normal instinct. Yeah. So I believe strongly that the judiciary has a responsibility to encourage people to mediate. And unfortunately, I must tell you that the judiciary, for some unknown reason, I think they feel, perhaps they don't understand mediation, but they feel we want to take their place. We mm. don't. We don't. We realize that some cases have to be litigated. And what we'd really like to do is we'd like to make that make it possible for judges to spend time on matters that really matter to them. And all the others, all the stuff that can be resolved consensually, that we resolve that consensually, free up the legal system, free up, for example, the state attorney's office. I, I saw the Zondo Commission can't get state attorneys to represent him in review applications because they're just too busy. I mean, it's crazy. It's all lopsided and distorted because we, we, we don't know how to deal with conflict. But to come back to your question, how do you start the process? That's the tricky thing. We thought there's a new High Court rule, 41A, in the High Court and similar rules in the Magistrates Court, which say that people must apply their minds to mediation before they issue summons and when they file a plea, they must apply. We thought the attorneys would be doing it, but they don't. And it's not correct to expect an attorney to do it. They, you go to a lawyer to fight for you. You don't go to a lawyer to, to, to mediate. So it's got to come from somewhere else. And, and I think as far as court cases that go to the courts are concerned, there should be a judge who is mandated to look at the documents very early in the proceeding and give the parties advice. So it doesn't come from an attorney. You know, if you go to your attorney and you say, I'm upset, fight this case for me. And he says, go and mediate. And you can say, what's wrong with my lawyer? Is he, is he scared or what? You'll go and find yourself another lawyer. And not only that, the other lawyer, if, if the lawyer raises mediation, is going to think, oh, this guy hasn't got a case. That's why he's suggesting mediation. So we faced with that difficulty. But in the local authority space, the motivation for mediation can come from within the organization. There's no doubt about that. Um, and, and I think it should. I really mm. believe it should. I mean, there's new legislation at the moment that you know about where they're suggesting that a tribunal be established. I think it's the wrong way to go because it's adversarial. It's adjudicative. Rather have a provision that says if there's ever a dispute between a local yeah. authority and a, a part of society, a person or a group of people, 
that they must first try mediation. Don't take away their right to mm. litigate. They got that right in terms of the constitution, but make a provision that they first try to mediate the dispute. But isn't that why we've got the municipal courts now? Uh, they don't, they're not mediating. They're yeah. adjudicating. Okay. So, so, so you are saying, would you then agree that there's a need then for public education around what mediation is? Because people don't know what mediation is. I mean, I, I'm, yeah. I'm learning so much here this morning. There's a big need then, like a good lawyer, I'll say, I'll put it to you. There's a, <laughs> there's a need to do mediation education. I have no doubt that there is. You know, and one of the reasons, one of the problems is that we've used this word mediation very loosely in our country. We use it to describe an adjudicative procedure. So, for example, in civil engineering cases, bridges and roads and stuff like that, there are mediation clauses where the mediator takes a decision. Who's right and who's wrong? The clauses provide you can't have a lawyer. Now, as a lawyer of 40 years standing, I know if you want to decide who's right and who's wrong, <laughs> you need a comprehensive procedure. That, If that's the way you want to deal with conflict, you've got to deal with it properly. You can't use mediation to do that. Mm. And yet there's this word mediation that's used in those contracts to describe an adjudicative process. The only part that's consensual is both parties must agree what the mediators decided. If they don't agree, then it goes to arbitration or litigation. So, so, so you're right. There's a huge need for people to be educated on what we call facilitative mediation, where the mediator doesn't take a decision. He just helps parties. He creates this environment within which they can negotiate and leaves it up to them to find the best possible solution. He just, he regulates what happens and how it happens and makes sure that it doesn't stop before mm. all the possibilities are explored and the parties decide which is the best one. And what is often the word mediation and arbitration that, that comes yeah. in? What is the difference between mediation and arbitration? Okay, that's another unfortunate thing, Harlan, because we've got this confusion. We talk about arbitration and mediation as alternate dispute resolution. In fact, arbitration and litigation are very, very similar. They're almost, they're an identical process. The only difference between arbitration and litigation is in arbitration, the arbitrator is chosen by the parties. But the procedure that's followed is exactly the same. You also have discovery of documents, you have expert evidence, you have leading of witnesses, you have cross-examination. Everything that happens in a courtroom happens in an arbitration. And it's also uh, designed to decide who's right and who's wrong, looking back. And then based on who's right and who's wrong, a decision is made normally sounding in money. That's not mediation at all. But because both of these are talked about as alternate dispute resolution, there's a lot of confusion in the public eye mm. about these two mechanisms. I don't think that it's, it's appropriate at all to group arbitration and mediation together. I think it's the biggest mistake that we have ever made in this country to do that. I would rather call mediation facilitative, consensual problem solving. I would rather call that appropriate mm. dispute resolution and leave arbitration as the alternate to a court of law. Okay. I want to come back again to the practical. There's a portal. I've got an issues room with my municipality. I'm going to take them to court. How do I, how, where does media, mediation come in? I approach you as a mediator, but the municipality must agree. Absolutely. Is, is that the, is that yeah, the way to go? It's consensual. It can only happen if both parties agree. So I've got the, I can either take you to court and pay or we pay the mediator to say, okay, both parties agree, 50-50, he will, he will try and facilitate this mediation conversation. Yeah. And the decisions reach there, that is binding, or how does it work? Okay, so, so one of the principles of mediation is that nothing is binding 
until a written agreement is concluded and signed. Once the written agreement is concluded and signed, it's as binding as any other agreement. Okay. So then you can enforce it in a court of law. If a summons has already been issued and you have a mediation, you can take your agreement to the to the judge or to the magistrate and say, please make this an order of court, and he will. And then that agreement becomes an order of court. It's equivalent to a judgment in such a situation. But the notion that mediation is non-binding, that's wrong. It's Mm. only non-binding until a written agreement is concluded. Then it becomes super binding. Okay, so so you say that mediation is an African solution. Why do you say that? Uh, Well, this is for me also, you know, in thinking about these things, getting clarity in my head around it, I've just realized that, that something went wrong in our order of doing things in terms of where consensual conflict resolution fits in. And if you look at the way in which conflict was resolved in Africa traditionally, before colonialism, it was always addressed consensually first, and only if that didn't work did they go to somebody to take a decision. But because consensual conflict resolution is so effective, I think very rarely did this end up with the chief who had to take a decision one way or the other. And so I sat in the law library at Stellenbosch as a law student. I said, how did things work before before 1652? How did people resolve conflict? Where were the courts? Where were the judges? The truth is they didn't need them. They didn't need them because they had the secret then to how to resolve conflict. Consensually first, let's talk, let's see if we can find. And only if that didn't work then, in the very rare, rare cases when it's necessary, was adjudication necessary. In our system, doing things, we go adversarial first, Cos McClay, mm. straight into court, everything then folds out in court, and the more it carries on, the more disagreement there is, the more unhappiness there is, the more angry people come at, become at one another, and the more difficult it is to get a consensual solution to the dispute. So the African way, the traditional way in this country, the coin in the sand, they resolved conflict under a tree, mm. talking about it, finding a solution, and and it's all been messed up and turned on its head by, by, by colonialism where it became adversarial first and then adjudicative. And the reason, you know, if you try and be as kind as you can to the colonials, they didn't know better. Mm. And the interesting thing that I've now seen is consensual conflict resolution and this order of doing things consensually first is taking off all over the world. But in Africa, or in South Africa in particular, we're struggling. I mean, I've been to see judges and sit to them, we'll do a pro bono program. Pro bono, no cost. Helping you to mediate matters. No, we can't do that. Mm. Being to see magistrates. No, we can't do that. No, no, we are here to decide cases. That's our job. So so, so you say that the indigenous knowledge systems is is what uh, pre-colonial times worked for African societies. Exactly. And we need to go back to that. Uh, that's what I say. And the other thing too, Harland, is if you look at the African system, look at the law that we have to apply in order to decide, looking back, who's right and who's wrong. Look at the books. Look at the documents. Look at the how difficult that is. And what was there in pre-colonial times? One law, Ubuntu. Just one law. Simple, uncomplicated, not difficult. My do- daughter did her MBA, and they said to her, you train for five days to become a mediator. How is that possible? You need to train as a lawyer for five years, two years, articles, then this, then that. How is it possible? Well, the truth is, if you deal with conflict consensually, it's simple. It's easy. It's not difficult. You don't need laws. You don't need books. You don't need um, judges. You don't need advocates. 
You don't need courtrooms. You don't need anything. Mm. You can sit under a tree and you can resolve matters consensually. So somehow, somewhere, things went horribly wrong and we need to fix that. In and you are here to fix it. So how would you want to be remembered? <laughs> you know, Holland, that's a, that's, I'm not young anymore and I really have, it is a life's mission to do whatever I can to change the way in which we deal with conflict in our country because I've seen the benefit. I've seen the power of it. I've seen the joy in people's faces when they when they shed this this veil of conflict off them and they look at their fellow man and there's peace between them because it is at the end of the day about making peace. So yeah, if I can be remembered as a peacemaker, I'd be grateful. Alan Nelson, thank you so much for your okay. time and passion. Uh, I can see it in your eyes. I wish the, you at home or listening to this could see the twinkle in his eyes. And thank you very much for your, for your passion. We really appreciate your time. Thank you for the opportunity, Harlan. I really do appreciate it. Last question. You know, what do you do to relax? You deal with all these conflicts <laughs> and all of this thing. How do you relax? Um, I'm not much of a musician, but I love horses and I drive carriages. So I drive horses and I get them to go into the same direction. Yeah. Uh, I drive four horses often. And, uh, and that's a little bit like mediation, you know. They, you give very gentle touches and you drive them in a particular direction. And that's what mediators do as well, interestingly enough. That's, that's how you relax. That's how I relax. Thanks so much for your time. Thank Thanks. you, Holland. Appreciate it. To the amazing and talented Great Governance team, The Voice, Mpumilali, and producer Al Ontong, respect and love. Keep the faith and let's work to make South Africa great right where we are. If you loved what you heard, subscribe to our Great Governance podcast that is available free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And of course, also on our HRD Governance Facebook page. And don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend about us. Listen to learn. Say